and welcome into another episode of Running for the Roses. I'm Ryan Baffle-Lucas. I'm joined by Lucas Rohde. And Lucas, it's here, man. We made it. We made it through transfer portal talks, NIL, realignment, playoff expansion, playoff not expansion, uh, media days, quarterback controversies, and we are finally here. Week zero, we will have a, a partial college football slate this upcoming Saturday. I love week zero. It might be my favorite week of the year because it's the, it's the first week. It's no NFL. It's just college. I'm excited. How are you tonight, my friend? I'm feeling great about that too. Yeah. It's just like a nice little like appetizer uh, before week one happens uh, two weeks from now. Um, no, and I love it. And I love it now that we get a couple power, we have you know one power five matchup that we'll get into. Um but no, it's just great to actually just like talk about games and you know the buildup and everything that we've kind of done, the research we've done with these teams is actually finally to see some actual football um, get played. So this is what we live for is to actually watch the games, not just speculate about them. It is it is such a weird slate of games. <laughs> like, I mean, you've got Nebraska playing Northwestern in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have like some powers, like you have Florida state hosting Duquesne, North Carolina hosts Florida and M uh, Vanderbilt plays at Hawaii at seven thirty Pacific. You got plenty of FCS versus FBS matchups. UNLV hosts Idaho state. Um, you have Western Kentucky hosting Austin P uh, North Texas plays UTEP in kind of an intriguing group of five game. It's just such a weird, uh, weird slate of games. There's no like, rhyme or reason for for the games i know northwestern nebraska is is week zero because it's in it's in dublin but um we'll get to that kind of uh our week zero kind of preview towards the end of the pod um but lucas it's it's maybe my favorite part of the pod uh the lucas lawn update quickly here before we dive into some football the lucas lawn update uh what do you got for us this week so not too much updates. So the last time we had talked, I'd reached out to my, my fertilizer guy. Your fertilizer guy. I just love, I love how that sounds. <laughs> um, he kind of has ghosted me. So um, if he's oh, listening, no. I know he is. If he's listening, I haven't heard anything back. Um, thankfully, thankfully, we, we've signed up to like this uh, fertilizer service um, like a few months ago. I won't say the name because we don't do free advertisements on this pod. But um, I'm very happy with it. We I uh, put it on last week, and um, over the last week we got uh, some decent rain this weekend, and it's it's looking nice, very nice and thick. The grass is out there, so uh, a little iffy. I gotta cut it once before we leave, and then I probably I'm gonna be gone for about ten days out of town. So we'll see how it goes. But um, no, it, it's looking very very nice, looking like a nice mature. Uh, lawn and then uh, an update with our shed in our lawn we bought a new shelf for it so now it's nice and organized out there too so things slowly but surely coming together um, I was um, I, I was not ready for a a fertilizer man ghosting situation this early on in the pod I mean this is going to be a season-long battle between you and Mr. Fertilizer what a what a storyline here I mean, sometimes you just, I didn't want to text him and sound over desperate or anything like this. And uh, I'll just wait for him to respond. The ball's in his court. If he wants my business, so be it. Otherwise, I'll just go to my, I'll just, I'll just go to a new, a new fertilizer guy. There's more fish in the sea. So I'll just move good. Uh, It's so good. All right. Let's get into some college football here. Little run of show for everyone tonight. Uh, Lucas and I are going to go over some more camp storylines. Quinn Ewers being named the starting quarterback at Texas. Some more intriguing quarterback battles uh, as we get closer to week one, which is uh, Labor Day weekend, of course. Uh, Lucas and I are then going to give some national championship college football playoff predictions, who we think will win the national championship and, and what contending teams we could see in the college football playoff in 2022. Uh, We'll then do a little week zero preview, kind of what we're looking for, what teams or players we kind of will have our eye on this weekend. And then we'll give our picks uh, of the week, our betting picks. We will do that last. Um, So Lucas, as we kind of dive into, obviously I think the big storyline this week in college football was Quinn Ewers, number one uh, recruit in the class of 2021. If you've listened to this pod, you know the Quinn Ewers situation transferred from Ohio State to Texas. We did a show last week, and no quarterback had been named, and then all of a sudden uh, 
very odd circumstance. The the SID at the end of a media availability just comes in and says, hey, by the way, message from Coach Sarkeesian, uh, Quinn Ewers is going to start. And that was it. Um, in, tr- in kind of, I don't know, Texas always, it's just always interesting. A lot of people are, you know, reading between the lines because the reports were Hudson Card was in that battle. Hudson Card knew the offense. He was running things well. And all of a sudden, Quinn Ewers is the guy. Um, so your kind of impressions uh, on that situation, and if anything else is kind of catching your eye uh, across training camps as they wind down here uh, in late August. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think you kind of mentioned it where, I mean, you had sent me a screenshot basically of a, a report from a Longhorn website where the insider was like, yeah, it looks like if the season were to start today, Hudson Card would be the starter. And I think like two hours later, then all of a sudden it came out on like Twitter yeah. that Quinn Ewers was the starter. And we had kind of joked that, are they going to do what they did to Hudson Card last year where he'll start the first game and then they'll get their ass kicked in the second game like they did against Arkansas. And then the, the other co- quarterback in this case would be Ewers against Alabama might come in and then start the rest of the year. Maybe you just didn't want you know a young freshman to, to get his confidence broken or anything, but I mean, it looks like they're they're fully sold in on him, and I think it's the smart play. You have Arch Manning coming in next year, and I think you want to know what you have in Quinn Ewers. He has probably the most upside out of the two, um, just with you know him being one of the highest rated quarterback recruits out there. Um, so it'll be fun. I mean, uh, I do think their offense uh, should be interesting. We talked about last week; they have their starting left guard is is out, so they could be potentially starting three freshmen on the offensive line. That's a worry, especially with starting a young quarterback. But I think they're going with the youth movement on that offense. And uh, it should be exciting. It might be – I'm sure they'd wish they weren't playing Alabama the second game of the year. But, uh, you know, got to grow up fast, I guess, uh, for the yeah. Texas Longhorns. <laughs> well, I think the only really surprising aspect of this to me was how long it took them to name the starting quarterback. I mean, we kind of know what Hudson Card is, right? I mean, he was the guy that – started the year last year for Texas and then was overthrown by Casey Thompson, who's now at Nebraska. We've seen Hudson card. We kind of know what that looks like. And Texas went five and seven, not saying that's all on Hudson card, but you didn't bring in Quinn Ewers to sit for a year. And, and honestly, Quinn Ewers has already played a year of college football. He, he redshirted at at Ohio state. I think he played in one game Mm -hmm. uh, for the Buckeyes. So yeah, he's a, he's a technically a red shirt freshman. He's still young. He's, I think he's, he's 18, right? He, he, uh, he graduated high school a year early, but you know, this was kind of always going to happen. And, and, you know, whether it's booster involvement or NIL or like whatever, Quinn Ewers gives you a higher ceiling than, than Hudson card, like no if ands or buts. And, you know, we don't know what Quinn Ewers looks like. We haven't seen him throw a pass. We've seen a lot of five-star quarterbacks come in and, and, and not be good, right? I think JT Daniels is kind of the epitome of that, where JT Daniels got beat out by Kadon Slovis, got beat out by Stetson Bennett. Like, he has failed now at, at two major programs. So not a slam dunk that Quinn Ewers is going to be really good right away. Um, and, and maybe there is some validity to the fact that Hudson Card was beating out Quinn Ewers and – some big money donors or boosters or whatever said, Hey, the guy that we, you know, got here for you, the, the, you know, the guy that you told us all spring and summer was going to be the savior. That guy's going to start, right? He ain't riding the bench. So with Texas, there's always this extra layer of drama. Like I know there's a lot of people that just think that it's ca- it's going to cause a fracture in the locker room and, and Hudson card should have been the starter. Like who knows? We'll find out really early, right? Like you get UL yeah. Monroe week one and then Alabama week two, like you said. So mm-hmm. um, I am for one, like Texas is going to like, they're always a team to watch, but with yours, with Xavier worthy and with B. John Robinson, like they're going to have a lot of firepower on offense mm-hmm. and they should be able to score and we'll see what comes of it. Yeah, um, and looking at other teams that I think should score. Um, another quarterback news, North Carolina, sounds like named their starting quarterback today as well. Uh, Drake uh, Drake May, I believe he's a redshirt freshman, beat out Jacoby uh, Criswell. Um, though uh, kind of weird comments from, from Mac Brown on, on it. He's like, we'll probably play both of them. If one of them's not moving the ball, we'll play the other one. <laughs> and if that one's moving the ball, we'll play them. 
So uh, pretty simple explanation. I mean, Drake May, um, brother, I believe, of Luke May, who was like an All-American basketball player at North Carolina. So good bloodline, was pretty high, highly rated four-star guy a couple of years ago. Um, North Carolina, kind of like Texas, I think does kind of have a high ceiling with the way they've recruited the last couple of years. Um, so I'm interested to see how this quarterback thing plays out because um, one thing we've known with North Carolina since Mac Brown's gotten there and with Phil Longo as their offensive coordinator is they've been able to score. It's really the defensive side of the ball that's been more the question mark. So I guess any thoughts on on that side um, of the country with that? Yeah. Quarterback? No, I, I mean, North Carolina is kind of one of these teams where quarterback is one of the big questions, right? Because you're right, they have recruited really well top 15, top 10, top 20 classes. Uh, they got a lot of talent on defense, especially on that defensive line. I think they have two five-stars back on that defensive line. You know, Tony Grimes, a third-year player, former five-star, you know, defensive back. Um, they got some really good receivers. And quarterback is kind of one of those questions of how good is Drake May and, and what is the ceiling of this program. They played Notre Dame, I think, week four, week three or week mm-hmm. four. Um, you, you do get Florida A&M this week. I think that's why Mac Brown named a starter so early is, is because North Carolina plays on Saturday. Um, and that will be somebody that I, that I am watching because Sam Howell had a lot of success in that offense and was a, I think a fourth or fifth round pick of the Washington commanders. Um, and Drake may was pretty highly recruited. I think he was a top 100 prospect out of, Mm -hmm. out of high school. Um, it was a big get for. Uh, North Carolina. And, you know, one of the things that we have seen with, with these programs that kind of take the next step, it's usually because they recruit really good quarterbacks, right? Like Oregon got to where it was with Marcus Mariota, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Clemson with Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, like that's six years of really elite quarterback play. You know, you look at Florida state with Jameis Winston wins a national championship. So these schools that are able to recruit and develop, pretty darn good quarterbacks like they are at an advantage over the teams in their conference that cannot and north carolina i think is trending off the field all the right ways but they were what six and seven last year mm-hmm. i mean they were preseason top 10 finished six right, and seven right. one of the most disappointing teams in the country so this is a big year for mac brown and it's a big year for drake may um as his starting quarterback mm-hmm. so uh-huh. No, I was going to say, and other quarterback teams, I'm not sure if we talk, uh, talked about this last week, but um, not shocking, Casey Thompson will be starting for Nebraska uh, this coming week. Um, though, I think the more interesting thing, no word on who will be starting for Northwestern quite yet, uh, which it might not even matter, honestly. <laughs> Listen, as somebody with a Northwestern plus 13 ticket, like this is not, not, <laughs> not ideal news. But you're right, it might not matter. Um, did you hear about what happened? I, I, I didn't send you this. Well, I think I did, but, um, the whole Scott Frost players throwing up thing. Yeah. Apparently they've got guys thrown up 15 to 20 times a game or I not mean, like, practice. yeah, like Scott Frost or, or, you know, one of the coaches came out and said, yeah, like these guys are working so hard. It's not cause they're out of shape. It's cause of they're just working hard. And we got 15 to 20 guys after every practice throwing up. And the whole college football world was like, what is this, 1985? Like, what are you doing? You can't you can't do this, right? It's Especially not- after you had a, a player at Maryland pass away. Yeah, um, yeah, a handful of years ago. Scott Frost, in 2018, there were there were players that were in the hospital with, due to heat exhaustion with Nebraska and Scott Frost. <laughs> it's just very weird. Um Nebraska Northwestern is such an intriguing game weeks here. We'll get to that in a little bit, but what are your thoughts on Casey Thompson? I didn't, I mean, I didn't pay a ton of attention to Texas at the end of last season. They weren't very good, but you look at Casey Thompson's numbers, they're pretty solid. Um, And obviously I think he was kind of told, Hey, we're bringing in Quinn Ewers. We have Hudson card. Like if you want to play, maybe you go somewhere else and he wins the job at Nebraska. I have a hard time believing he's going to turn the ball over more than Adrian Martinez. Um, and you know, I think one of the reasons why Nebraska's win total was so high and why there is some optimism is I think people feel like Casey Thompson is a pretty big upgrade over Adrian Martinez. And I tend to agree. Um, you look at last year, you know, with 
with Texas. You mentioned pretty good numbers, 21 touchdowns, only eight interceptions. Um, so vastly uh, different numbers than from uh, Adrian Martinez. But And probably is going to fit what they want to do more. I mean, they brought in Mark Whipple, an offensive coordinator. They're probably going to want to throw the ball um, around a decent bit um, when they were more, a little bit more of a running team last year. So, no, I, I like the fit for Casey Thompson. Like I said, Nebraska, like we said, we'll get to them in a bit. Uh, I know I took the under on them last week for our win totals for seven and a half. Um, but it's a team, like like we said, you can make an argument they could go four and eight or they could go eight and four this year. And I probably wouldn't argue with you either way. Um, and like I said, knew he was probably going to get that job, but now it, it's official with them uh, with Northwestern coming up on Saturday. I think just to round this out, I think the the three or four that are most intriguing, um, and I haven't heard one way or the other on them, is the SEC West. Ole Miss with Luke Altmeyer and mm-hmm. Jackson Dart, LSU with Garrett Nussmeyer, Jaden Daniels, Auburn with TJ uh, TJ Finley, Zach Calzada, and uh, Texas A and M with Max Johnson and Haynes King. Um, that's kind of the middle class of that division. Um, you have Alabama, Arkansas, and Mississippi State all set. Um, but that, to me, is intriguing in terms of who wins those jobs and, and what does that mean for those teams. Um, I think especially with LSU. Um, it feels like it's going to be Jane Daniels. Um, Brian Kelly and Mike Denbrock kind of like a more mobile quarterback. Um, they took, what, Ian Book last year, right? Mm-hmm. Um not not Ian Book. Who was the transfer? Yeah, last year? Jack Cohn. Jack Cohn. Jack Cohn. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Jack Cohn from Wisconsin last year as a uh, a transfer quarterback. Um, will it, real quick, Lucas. Any one of those kind of stand out to you? Um, well, I just think kind of the the one that stands out probably for me is probably LSU, just because I just think they're the most interesting team on that side of the division. Um, kind of the same with Nebraska. Just the variability that might happen. But with, like, college football, the thing that's weird compared to, like, the NFL is, like, you don't have to release a depth chart if you don't want to. So it wouldn't shock me with half these teams if they never say who the starter is um, until week one uh, when we see them. Or uh, I think a couple of those teams play this week. But um, that wouldn't shock me either way or that we see multiple of these guys play. Um, at some point, whether by injury or strictly because of performance. I mean, last year, none of us thought, you know, uh, really assumed Zach Calzada was going to was gonna play at all once Hayden's King won that job and, and injuries do happen. So, no, I think it's obviously intriguing. And I think the funny thing is, is on the SEC East side, where, you know, the teams might be, we might consider the teams kind of a little bit less than, pretty much all the quarterback battles there are are already – are already done. Um, obviously, we know with Georgia, Sense and Ben's coming back, but Anthony Richardson um, is pretty much the favorite to win that job. Spencer Rattler is going to be oh, the starter at South Carolina. Henning Hooker is going to be the starter at Tennessee. Uh, even Vanderbilt, I believe, um, uh, said Mickey Wright is going to be starting for them uh, this week uh, against Hawaii. Um, so, and Kentucky obviously um, brings back. Uh, uh, shoot, what's his uh, name? Will, Will Levis. Will Levis. Will Levis, man. Uh, just had a complete brain fart right future, there. Future top 10 draft pick, Will Levis, Lucas. Future I top just forget him. <laughs> Not to go too off topic, but kind of going off that, I remember last year when we were we were kind of picking teams that we liked. I remember talking about uh, Nevada because they loved Carson Strong. I completely forgot um, that he went into the draft this year. I thought he was going to be like going into last year. He was supposed to be like maybe a day two pick potentially. Guy had good numbers last year and went completely undrafted. Um, and is now I can't remember who he who he signed with. It, but it, it, it happens just, all the time, man. It yeah. happens all the time. I mean, think Jamie Newman. Think just every every time we see these way too early mock drafts and they they come out with with random name not random names but like they come out with names and people who follow college football are like really that guy. And then the season takes place, and then the the way too early mock drafts are never at all even close to accurate. Yeah. Um, but it's good content, and and I click on it every time. Um, <laughs> and uh, Will Levis will be an interesting one. I mean, that it's a pretty solid group of quarterbacks in that division. I mean, it I is. like Hendon Hooker, Will Levis, Stetson Bennett won a national championship last year. I'm intrigued to see Spencer Rattler in South Carolina. 
Um, so it is interesting. I didn't realize the, the, the kind of compare contrast between the, the two divisions, but it is interesting to see how set the SEC East is. Yeah. And the SEC West, where we have a lot of big-time programs, Auburn, Ole Miss, LSU, like A&M, like some programs with some expectations this year um, unsettled. So uh, speaking of programs with expectations, so I, I texted Lucas – uh, this afternoon to go over the run of show. And I said, let's give our playoff predictions and our national champion. And Lucas responded with, man, I'm having a hard time picking my third and fourth teams in the playoff besides Alabama and Ohio state. And I thought, same man, I have no idea. Right. And so I said, how about we break down some of the contenders in the AP poll and think how likely are they to make the college football playoff on a scale of one to 10? 10 being you think it's really likely, one being it's very unlikely. Why are we talking about this? Get off my lawn, Ryan. So we're going to go. So right now, Alabama's one, Ohio State's two in the AP poll. I think, Lucas, we both think those are the two best teams yes. in the country. And I, I kind of think they're in a tier in and of, a, of themselves, right? So we're going to go down the AP top 20, top 10 quickly, not, not too quickly. Um, and, and think who are the other contenders to make the playoff? Because history will tell us you kind of have to be ranked in the top 10, top 12 to have a shot at the playoff. Mm-hmm. So number three is Georgia, the reigning national champion. They lose, you know, what, 11, 12 guys off that defense. You know, they had so many guys drafted. They lose their top two running backs. Um, Lucas, on a scale of one to 10, what do you give Georgia's chances to make this college football playoff? Um, probably like a seven or an eight. You said uh, ten was high, right? Ten was most likely correct. Um, so I would give like I'd give like a seven, um, just because out of the teams that I was thinking about that could be those three and four teams, Georgia was the team that kept coming up. Because as we've seen, even if Alabama makes it in and wins the SEC, there's a good chance that. Georgia's first loss is to Alabama in the SEC championship game. And I think it would be hard pressed if you had a 12 and one Georgia team, especially because they're, um, you know, they have a big game week one uh, against Oregon. Um, You know, they're going to pick up some decent wins, um, especially they they still play Florida, Auburn, all those teams in the, on their SEC schedule, Tennessee should be improved. Um, So I would probably give them a chance. My, my only concern is, with the amount of production that Georgia loses, loses on the bright side, Georgia's recruited incredibly well. I feel like they've built themselves up to what Alabama was in their early years of Saban, where probably at this point doesn't really matter how many people you lose. You just expect them to be just as good as they were before. So they have that going. I guess my only worry is if they lose one game during the regular season, which I think totally can happen. We've seen it before with both Alabama and Georgia that you may have one loss going into that SEC championship game. And if you lose that, obviously you're not going to, I don't, we still, we haven't had a 12 or two loss team make the playoff yet. And I don't think it'll happen, especially if you already have one team from that conference going in. So I would still say seven or eight because the chance that they go 12 and zero in the regular season is still pretty good. And they're going to be the most talented team on that side. Um, my just worry is it wouldn't shock me if they slipped up once and then it's like, okay, now you got to go beat Bama in the SEC title game. Um, so they beat him in the national championship last year, but, uh, that, that's, I guess what worries me, but I still think they have a really good shot, uh, of getting in as that third or fourth team. Yeah. I'm going to say seven because I mean, really you made all the arguments that I was going to make. Essentially you're banking on. Can Georgia go undefeated in the regular season? And and here are the key games, right? You host Oregon week one, or I'm sorry, it's games in Atlanta. So neutral site. Neutral site. Uh, your four road games, your four true road games are South Carolina week three, at Missouri on October 1st, uh, two late in the season, Mississippi State November 12th, and Kentucky November 19th. But that's it. I mean, Tennessee yeah. on November 5th, Florida and Jacksonville, all you get Auburn at home. Like, I just think it's a very favorable road. I mean, I, I just do now Florida. I mean, Georgia loses so much off of that championship team. I mean, you, you think of not even the defensive guys, but losing James Cook and Samir White's really important as well. Like 
But I also think there is a chance you lose a game in the regular season and you beat Alabama in the playoff. Kind of like the reverse, the inverse of what happened last year, right? Yeah. Where what Alabama lost a game in the regular season, lost to AM. They beat Georgia and undefeated Georgia in the SEC title game, and Bama makes the playoff. So that's why I think it I mean, I, I think your your and I's numbers are pretty similar. Um, I, I think it is it is pretty likely, right? Because I, I just don't know how many other teams behind them are going to go undefeated, right? So as we move on to Clemson here, Clemson's four. Um, I put it a little lower than Georgia. I'll probably say like a six, six and a half, just because the quarterback question mark, right? Mm -hmm. It's hard to make the college football playoff if you are unsettled at quarterback. And whether it's DJ Ungulale or Kate Klebnik, like we just, we don't know. And it's, it's, I think, you know, you don't have a Georgia on the schedule like they did last year. Um, the non-conference, you should be able to go 4-0. I mean, South Carolina at the end of the season might be a little tricky, but um, the question is, we're both pretty high on NC State. Um, Clemson will likely play Wake Forest without Sam Hartman, which is mm -hmm. huge for them. So this is one of those teams, like, if you lose a game and you win the ACC and you're 12-1, and you're probably making the playoff. So I might put them at, like, a 7 as well, honestly. I, I, I might raise mine up to 7 because... I think when you look at it, like they have a, a game, you know, margin for error of basically a game and you win the ACC, which I don't think, I mean, Miami might be decent, um, but I don't know if there's another truly elite team besides NC state. Um, and I don't think NC state is elite, but there, I think they could be elite with how good Devin Leary is. You get that game at home this year. So yeah. I'll give Clemson a seven as well. Yeah. I'm going to give them a, a seven as well. Um, a lot for the same reasons you said. Schedule's a lot favorable. <laughs> you mentioned they don't have Georgia to start the year. Um, they have the complete opposite. They still are playing a Georgia team, but uh, they open up against Georgia Tech um, in, <laughs> in Atlanta. So talk about uh, just polar opposites of starting your your uh, um, your season against somebody. But no, I think kind of clear. I mean, if they have if they have decent quarterback play. DJU or whether it's from, you know, their backup, uh, you know, Cade uh, Klubnik, um, who could be coming in. If they have average quarterback play, they should be good enough to go at least 11 and one, I think in the regular season. Um, and I even took the under on their win total. Cause I just, I just don't know if I, if I see that. Cause they do have some, you mentioned at wake and then NC state, they still have to go on the road. They have to go on the road at Notre Dame who I think will still be pretty good this year. They also have to play Miami, um, which is kind of like a wild card team to me in the ACC. So, you know, that could worry me. Um, but, uh, but no, I think they still have a good shot. If they go 11-1, and one, they're going to be favored in the ACC title game with whoever they're playing, whether that's Pitt, Miami, or maybe North Carolina. Um, so I think they still have a, they have a great shot. But you mentioned the worry is – on the offense side of the ball, or on the offense side of the ball, and remember they're uh, replacing both offense and defensive coordinators, um, including Brent Venables, who's there for seemed like forever. So is there going to be a little bit of an adjustment period? We'll see, but um, but I think Clemson uh, will win on there because um, I really think they're the only team in the ACC that has a shot of making the, the playoff. So we move on to Notre Dame, who's fifth in the AP poll. Went to the Fiesta Bowl last year, I believe. Finished uh, ten and three. Um, opened the year at Ohio State, <laughs> and that is, is going to be a doozy. They also play Clemson at home. They go at USC to end the season. They'll host BYU. So four top twenty-five teams on the schedule right off the bat. Uh, Lucas, what say you for the Fighting Irish's uh, playoff chances in Marcus Freeman's first year? I'm gonna go with like a four. Um... Just because, like you mentioned, to me, they're starting off the year with an automatic loss to Ohio State. And that means you don't really have much margin for error the rest of the season. You mentioned, like, they have to play BYU. I'm very high on BYU this year. I took their over, which was at, I think, like eight and a half. Um, and I thought they, they might clear that easily. And that's a neutral site game that's out in Las Vegas. Um, they have to play Clemson. Um, and then they also get, I think the scary point is they get USC at the end of the year. Um, if anything, you probably this year, you want to play USC at the beginning of the season while they're still trying to figure things out. 
Um, and they got to replace, uh, you know, they just named, I believe, Tyler uh, Tyler Buckner as their starting quarterback for this season. Played a little bit last year, but you still have to replace a lot of production um, at running back and, and also with Jack Cohn leaving on. Um, so I think there's just a lot of moving parts with Notre Dame. I think they're going to be pretty good, but I just think you mentioned like those top four matchups. I, I think it's going to be hard for them not to lose at least two games on the schedule. So I'm going to go low with four. Hundred percent. I, I I think I would put it like a three, right? You have some un, uncertainty at quarterback. You have a first year head coach, and you know, assuming you lose in in Columbus, like there is, you're right. There's zero margin for error. You don't have a conference championship game, um, and I, I, you know, I also wonder how many resume inducing wins they will have. Uh, certainly, Clemson at home, if you beat them, would be one of them. You get USC at the end of the season. We have no idea what that team could be 10 and one, or it could be six and five. Like I legit don't know. You also get Stanford, UNLV. They're pretty bad. Marshall, Cal, that North Carolina is interesting. Like the schedule's tough. I mean, I I think this is like a nine and three team and that doesn't get you anywhere near the playoffs. So I'm going to say probably a three in Marcus Freeman's first year. Um, All right. Here's an interesting one. Texas A&M. Um, they go at, at Alabama. You host Miami in the non-conference. Uncertainty at quarterback, but a lot of talent on this team. You know, one of the most talented teams on paper uh, in the country. Um, I'm going to put it at, again, probably I'll, – I'll put it at like a, a four and a half. I think it's higher than Notre Dame's. I think it's lower than Georgia and Clemson's. Um, it's going to be hard for them to make the – called the sec title game mm-hmm. and if you don't make your conference title game it's very hard to make the playoff not impossible it's very hard lucas is giving me a look right now i don't know if he's high or low on on texas a&m I'm, I'm, no, I'm already throwing like a nightmare like scenario that georgia and alabama go undefeated in the regular season and a&m's only loss is to alabama oh no <laughs> oh no People are going to argue with that, like, three SEC teams are going to – or should be in. Oh, wow. shoot. No. <laughs> I didn't even consider this, man. Oh, God. I just I just kind of thought about that. I was like, if that happens, oh, my God. It would just – that would just be – I'm kind of praying for it just because it would be chaos and would just show kind of why a four-team playoff is just kind of ridiculous. But – um, kind of go with your point. My thing, my I'm low on them making the playoff this year just because I think Alabama's the best team, arguably the best team in the country. And like you mentioned, you're not going to make your – like if you don't make the, the conference championship – now it has happened once. Ohio State did not make their conference championship game back in you – know, it was 2016 because um, they had lost to Penn State that year but still made it because that was their only loss on the season. But, um, but no, I agree with you. And like I said, it's still question marks at quarterback. Um, and they're young in certain spots on this team. I think this is kind of a team that's still maybe a year away. Because um, besides playing at Alabama, I mean, they still have tough games against Arkansas, uh, Ole Miss, even though I'm a little bit lower on Ole Miss. And they get Florida towards the end of the year, which I don't think that's going to be a, an easy game by any stretch. Even getting Miami, who I think is going to be a much improved team this year early on. Should be an interesting matchup. So I'm going to go low. I'm going to go like probably about the same with Notre Dame, about three, because I, I just don't see them right now, one, beating out Alabama, and then two, it wouldn't shock me if they have another loss on their schedule. All right, we'll do two more here. Uh, Utah, number seven in the preseason AP poll. Uh, the Utes go at Florida week one. They have to go at UCLA. They have to go at Oregon. They get USC at home on October 15th. Um, This number for me, I'm going to put it at at probably like a seven um, because I think if you're, if you're looking for teams that are, are maybe a bit out of the box to make the playoff, I think Utah is a good bet because they returned their quarterback cam rising. They returned their top running back. Um, They made the Rose bowl last year. They won a Mm -hmm. conference championship. Um, Kyle Woodenham's, you know, he's always going to have a good defense. They have a great culture there. Um, they play in a, they still play in a power conference for the next year or two until the Pac-12 becomes not a power conference anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and I think you have a chance, like if you beat Florida in the swamp week one, that's a really big, impactful win, right? Mm -hmm. If you're, I mean, if, if you are able to split Oregon on the road and USC at home, you know, with the way the PAC 12 is doing the scheduling now, you don't need to, they're not just going to send one team from each division to the, to the championship game. So theoretically, Utah, even if they lose a tiebreaker to USC or something for the South division, you could still get in the conference championship game. So I'm 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 a little bullish on Utah. I will I don't think it's it's incredibly likely. So I'll I'll go seven. Um, but I think if you're like if we're you're looking for teams to make the playoff aside from Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and Clemson, I think Utah might be a better bet than Notre Dame and Texas A and M. Yeah, I, I do agree with you on that last point. I would probably go with a five, probably for them. I really like Utah. I pick them to win the Pac-12. My only issue is the Pac-12 is just freaking cursed. Um, just looking at the history, there's a reason why they haven't had a team come out since, what, 20? Was that 2017? 20, or I can't remember, 2016 when uh, when Washington made it. I just think it's cursed. We. I was going to say, we talked about in the nightmare scenario, whereas they're like 11 and one, they beat USC in the regular season and they play USC in the, um, in the championship game. And then USC beats them to knock the PAC 12 out of the playoff. They have a good enough team. Like you mentioned, Florida's going to, I think if they win that really, I think it sets the table for what could be a magical season. Um, but I, I'm always iffy on teams too, where it's really like this is probably the most expectations that Utah has ever had for a season in their history, and that makes me iffy with teams who are not in that situation typically. Even though I love what Kyle Williams has done there, but just because of those two factors, I'm still a little bit iffy on on putting them in um, in the playoff or being uh, high up on my board. All right, last team we'll do is Michigan. They're ranked eighth. Uh, they made the college football playoff last season and got spanked by Georgia in the semifinals. Um, Jim Harbaugh hasn't named a starting quarterback yet, whether it's Cade McNamara or J.J. McCarthy. Uh, we talked about this in the Big Ten preview that you lose Aiden Hutchinson, you lose David Ajabo, you lose Hassan Haskins. Still have a lot of talent back. Um and we also talked about during their preview, like the schedule is really, really easy. You're not going to lose in the not conference and you have a decent, I mean, the overrunner is nine and a half. So Vegas thinks they're going to be pretty good. And there's a chance they're undefeated heading into the horseshoe to play Ohio mm -hmm. state. And if that's the case, they're making the playoff. If they lose to Ohio state, right? Like they, they just are, if you're undefeated and you lose to Ohio state, um, you're 11 and one. I think you're making the playoffs. So I'll put it at like a seven. Mm. Um, when you factor in the schedule, when you factor in the fact that this team could, I mean, they play in a big enough conference to where they can get some, some wins. Um, and I think they're in a situation where they could be 11 and one and the only loss coming to coming to Ohio state. And I don't really know how you keep them out. Yeah, that's interesting, especially because I remember it, it, it's always the scenario, too. Like, what if their loss is – what if they lose by three points on, like, a last-second field goal to Ohio State? Are they really, Are you really going to hold them out? And Ohio State's one of the best teams in the country. But, no, I, I agree with you. I, I honestly wasn't super high on Michigan making the playoff until this morning I said – I think it was, it was Josh Pate um, over at 24-7 said – gave his four playoff teams with Michigan and Ohio State being two out of the four. And you mentioned, yeah, a very soft non-conference schedule. And, yeah, they're going to be favored in every game this year, except for probably that last game against Ohio State. So, I mean, re real quick, Lucas, here yeah. is the schedule. Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn, non-con. Uh, from the – then they go home Maryland, at Iowa, at Indiana, home Penn State, home Michigan State, at Rutgers, Nebraska, Illinois, Ohio State. So they have four road games. They are Iowa, Indiana, Rutgers, and Ohio State. Like, <laughs> that is a really, really easy schedule. At Iowa is going to be tough, right? It's probably going to be a night game. night game. Yeah. Never, never easy to play. If you beat Iowa 
I mean, Maryland, I mean, you get Maryland, Penn State, and Michigan State at home. I think those are like the three, four, five in the division, right? Yeah. Along with Michigan. You get all those games at home. From the West, after Iowa, you get Illinois and Nebraska. Nebraska, thank you. Like, who knows what Nebraska's like in November? I mean, we brought them up. Scott Frost could be gone at that point. I don't know. I'm kind of talking myself into it more than more than I talk about it. <laughs> well, and the biggest thing, too, with Michigan is they're a brand name. So yeah. I feel like if you need any extra help, if you're not winning your conference or anything, if you have a brand name, it, it automatically gives you bonus points um, just in the biases that the committee has. So, yeah, I, I think I'll give it like a six. Um because I, I mean, I was when I was trying to pick my final two teams, I was like, it wouldn't shock me if we had two teams from the Big Ten and two teams from the SEC just in it. It would infuriate the rest of college football because I think the whole talk this offseason with the realignment is just, are we just going to two big, like two major leagues? And it wouldn't shock me either way because you mentioned this scenario, Penn State. I think there's a road in there too. Um, Maybe you know Michigan State, but uh, we obviously know the SEC with Georgia and Alabama. So yeah, I'll go with the six for Michigan because I do think that that conversation gets really interesting if they're undefeated going into that Ohio State game. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I I think when we when we do this exercise, I think the takeaway is you have two elite teams in college football. You have a second tier of, you know, Clemson, Georgia. And then after that is is just it's kind of the Wild West. It's it's a yeah. free for all. And I, you know, wouldn't surprise me to see Michigan there, Clemson, Georgia, Utah, USC might get some love. Like I, I think it's kind of wide open after Alabama and Ohio State. Mm-hmm. So all right. Well, as we talked about on the top of the pod, week zero is upon us. And uh I think you have about twelve games, four of them. Weirdly enough, on CBS Sports Network, Austin P, Western Kentucky at nine, UNLV Idaho State at twelve thirty, uh, Florida Atlantic Charlotte at four, and then the nightcap Hawaii Vanderbilt. Uh, I think the biggest game of the weekend is Nebraska visiting Northwestern. That's the only matchup of two Power Five teams. That game is at nine thirty Pacific time on Fox. Uh, Illinois hosts Wyoming at one o'clock on the Big Ten Network. Florida State hosts Duquesne at two o'clock Pacific time on the ACC Network. North Carolina hosts Florida A&M, 515 Pacific Time on the ACC Network. Um, North Texas, UTEP's kind of interesting. Nevada, New Mexico State, two new head coaches. Weirdly enough, the only game on the ESPN family and networks is Nevada at New Mexico. That's the game they got stuck with for their uh, their late window. <laughs> I find I find that super interesting. The only game in Week Zero is on ESPN two. It's well, the, Nevada think, at New Mexico State. Well, because I think ESPN puts on like a bunch of like FCS games. Because oh, okay. I know, like when Week Zero originally like got started, it was usually it was like a spotlight on FCS teams. Um, but it's usually like a pretty big game. Like I think like Sam Houston State plays um, uh, Stephen F. Austin or something like that. Like two pretty good FCS teams. Sam Houston State's actually going to be an FBS team next year. But I think that's why I think ESPN airs. Um, and they also have like the, I think like the, the HBCU game, like kickoff game for the year too. Uh, I think ESPN has between like the winners of the, the two big conferences out there. So that might be why. Um, that makes sense. So, um, all right. So Lucas, I guess we'll start with Nebraska Northwestern. Um, what are you looking for in that one? I mean, you have a lot of intriguing storylines, a big year for Scott Frost, big yeah. year for Nebraska Northwestern coming off. I think a three and nine season, like so many questions. What are you, uh, what's kind of catching your eye in that one? Uh, mine is just how many fans are going to be in Dublin. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I bet you Nebraska will travel very well. I bet you Nebraska oh, will sure. travel well. Um, and if there's a lot of just American football fans um, over there, I'm sure there's going to be a bunch going to the game. But no, like you mentioned, I think a lot of question marks. I think Nebraska will get the, the fair amount, but I'm, I'm interested to see what Northwestern looks like. This is a team that, you talk about ups and downs the last four years. I mean, in each of the even years, they won the Big Ten West and went to the Big Ten title game. The other two years, they won three games. And I'm really just interested because I think last year was a big thing with um, with Mike Hankowitz stepping down as the D.C. there. Their defense was 
really bad. And then they lost arguably their best defensive player in Brandon Joseph, who transferred to Notre Dame. Um, and if their offense is going to be any better, is this going to be a pesky Northwestern team? Or do we kind of see maybe a prolonged kind of rebuild for Pat Fitzgerald there? And then you mentioned kind of on the other side, we, we kind of already gone through Nebraska, I feel like ad nauseum, but you know, do they start off strong? This was week zero basically was a microcosm of what their season became last year. Um, they were favored uh, like by two scores against, uh, against Illinois. Uh, and they just had like stupid turnovers, bad special teams um, and just everything. And ended up losing that game by, by a touchdown. Who knows if they win that game, if maybe their season goes a little bit differently. So I'm interested to see how they start off because um, this was their only Big Ten win last year was against Northwestern. They pummeled them 56 to 7, and then they did not win a game the rest of the year. So, um, so yeah, I'm very interested to see just starting out fast from Nebraska and just see kind of what kind of team Northwestern is going to be this year. I think it's huge for Nebraska to win this game. I mean, yeah. you're talking about the difference between – the narrative of Scott Frost is on the hot seat. Scott Frost is done. Like we will start seeing message boards with coaching candidates for Nebraska, literally before Labor Day, if if they lose this football game, <laughs> right? Or if conversely, if you win like forty-five to ten, or you win like you did last year, fifty-six to seven, you know that starts all right. Nebraska, not that they're back, right? But yeah. like Nebraska looked good. Casey Thompson looked good. Controlled the offense, like maybe this is a seven or eight win team. Right. Um, I'm also just interested to see in general, like I saw a number, I think the teams are leaving today, which seems a little, like a little late. I would have thought they'd be there already. Um, but I'd be interested to see, like, do we see a lot of offense? Do we see a lot of defense? Like, what is it? What does it look like there? Right. Yeah. We see some of the games in London. We see some of the games in, in, in Europe that the NFL puts on. We really don't see teams play in Europe a lot in college football. Yeah. Illinois, Nebraska was supposed to be in Dublin last year. They they uh, moved it to Champaign for COVID. But I think I'm just interested to see like the spectacle. I'm sure you'll have Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt there. It's like the big noon game. And, um, it will be interesting to see kind of the atmosphere. And I, another team that I'm kind of keeping my eye on is Florida State. I mean, we talk about big year for Scott Frost. It's a big year for Mike Norvell. And last year they lost to an FCS team. Actually, they lost to Jacksonville State in in one of the most horrific like end of game sequences you will ever you will ever have. Um, Florida State gets LSU in Week One, so like they are building to something. So, how does Jordan Travis look? How do the new receivers look? Like they lost a lot on the defensive line, including the reigning ACC Defensive Player of the Year, Jermaine Johnson, who was a first round draft pick. Like. You know, similarly to like Nebraska, like you got to put Duquesne away and win 45-0, right? Like this is a chance for Mike Norvell to kind of turn the page, to start fresh, to have a really good clean start in his third year mm-hmm. um, and and tell people that the program is on the right trajectory. They've been recruiting like decently well, but I think the Travis Hunter fiasco still kind of leaves a sour taste in people's mouths. So this is a chance to kind of turn the page Get some good reps before your big game against LSU, um, and I'm I think I'm most interested to see how this Florida State offense looks. Right, you have a new offensive coordinator, Kenny Dillingham, left to go to uh, Oregon with Dan Lanning. Um, so it will be interesting to see like what does Florida State look like? Is this a team that struggles in the first half against an FCS team, and and we see the Boo Birds coming out, or is this a team that can can take care of business? Yeah, uh, especially because last year, remember, they lost on a Hail Mary to Jacksonville State. Yeah. Um, and that was, what, just a week after they almost knocked off Notre Dame the first week of the season. So I think it's just always seen a level of maturity from Florida State that I don't think we saw. At least at the beginning of last year, we did not see from them before they kind of went on their, on their late season run. Um, another game, I know we're, we're going to be talking about probably the, the late night, late, late night, late night game, but... One kind of interesting one, too. We've got kind of two Conference USA match matchups, but I think the one that's kind of interesting is North Texas at UTEP. Um, just some background. Both these teams actually went bowling. UTEP um, was actually a great story last year. Dana DeMel, who's now entering his fifth season, 
his first three years at UTEP, they won five games over three years, um, including two one-win seasons in his first two years. He gets them to a bowl. They lose in the New Mexico Bowl last year. Um, but really um, going to be interesting to see if they can build on any of that success. And then North Texas, um, their head coach, I believe, Seth Luttrell, he was kind of a few years ago was a hot head coaching candidate. Um, I believe uh, took North Texas to the Conference USA Championship game. They had one of the you know, more explosive offenses in college football. Um, but then he kind of had a couple down years. And then last year, um, they were able to get hot late in the season to get bowl eligibility. So I think an interesting dynamic with with two head coaches whose programs were kind of trending in different directions, um, just seeing them face off in what should be a, a decently entertaining uh, Conference USA game. Yeah, and I think as we transition to the late night game, Vanderbilt, Hawaii, um, you know, like the jokes are always like, if you lose your ass betting during the game, like during the day, you, you, you put it all on Hawaii to, you know, to cover the spread on the islands and uh, Vanderbilt six and a half point favorites uh, in that game. Um, year two for Clark Lee. I mean, listen, as somebody that holds a Vanderbilt over two and a half, this is, a, this is a big one for me. It's a, it, it, uh, it's a big one for me. Timmy Chang takes over uh, Hawaii. Um, I'm interested to see uh, how Vanderbilt looks. Can they move the ball at all? Can they score? Um, I think it would be a nice win for Vanderbilt in year two Mm -hmm. of Clark Lee to go to Hawaii uh, and get a week zero win. I mean, I think it would, it would give them some momentum, uh, especially if Mickey Wright looks good. Um, And if some of their younger guys, some of some, I mean, we talked about they had a top 35 recruiting class um, last year. They signed more top 600 freshmen, I think in the previous three years combined. So there's some young talent on that team. Um, and if they want to get over, I mean, if they won two games last year, mm-hmm. um, and if they want to go over that, like you, you, you've got to beat Hawaii on the road, even though you're, you're less than a, uh, a, a touchdown favorite there. Yeah. And Hawaii's just, it's rough right now to be a Hawaii fan. I, I totally forgot that they can't play in Oahu stadium anymore because they got like constructively condemned like a few years ago. It was not structurally safe. So they're playing in a 9,000-seat, like, temporary stadium on their campus. And I read la- – and last year they had COVID issues down there. They didn't have – for their first six home games, they had no fans. So maybe they come out to support in what feels like a glorified high school stadium. But uh, we talk about, too, just the mess that it was with Todd Graham last year. It seemed like every there was just, like, a mutiny that happened. And you know it's bad when your own son transfers out when you're still the head coach. <laughs> That's the writing on the wall. I um, forgot about the Todd Graham mutiny in Hawaii. Man, college football is just the best, man. Right. The mutiny on the islands. It feels like we're in pirate times. And it was just weird. Like I remember uh, reading like transcripts from one of the, the like the Regents meetings. The Regents wanted to fire Todd Graham. The president didn't. And then um, they had Todd Graham like come in to basically like sell himself to the regents on why he should still be the head coach. And then they fired him like a week later. Just really, really do weird. It is kind of cool. Uh, Tommy Chang or uh, Timmy Chang is their head coach now, which or Tommy Chang makes me feel super old. I remember when he yep. was like eighty touchdowns a year um, in the run and shoot offense under June Jones. So. Um, might take them a little bit. I think they're only returning like four starters from last year. So it's going to be kind of a teardown job. So as you mentioned, this is really a mush win, I think, for Vanderbilt and Clark Lee. Um, you mentioned they're only about a six and a half point favorite going into that game. But this is a game, one, you're just, even a bottom feeder SEC team should be able to hold their own, uh, especially against a bottom feeder Mountain West team. Um, but who knows? It's week zero and weird stuff can happen. But um yeah, I'm interested to see Vanderbilt, just kind of how they look, um, considering they had a, a, a kind of a tough year a year a season ago. All right, we're gonna wrap we're gonna wrap up the pod as we will most weeks with our picks against the spread, over unders. Um, we the way we do our uh, our picks, we give Lucas and I will each pick an upset. We will pick a lock and then just kind of a regular pick. 
So pick of the week, upset of the week, and lock of the week. Uh, Lucas and I will have more bets um, that we will be putting out there as well. But these are kind of our 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 top three. And uh, you know, listen, Lucas, honestly, week zero is, is the toughest week. I mean, it's 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 tough. You don't you know nothing about these teams. FanDuel didn't even have lines when I checked. FanDuel doesn't have lines for week zero. They they really? they have not not that I saw. Um, oh. um, they they have uh, they have over unders and they have money lines. I didn't see any spreads. Interesting. I I, um, I pick I pick spreads on FanDuel. Oh, maybe maybe the, maybe that was just the desktop I was on. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, regardless, <laughs> I use DraftKings. Um, I'm sorry. No 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 free advertising on the podcast. <laughs> um. So all right. So Lucas, let's start with our just our regular picks. Um. Your your pick in week zero is. Um. So my pick. I'm actually. Going with the game that uh, we actually talked about, um, I am going with Vanderbilt minus six and a half over Hawaii for the reasons I just mentioned. I think just with Vanderbilt, uh, they're returning. You know, Mickey Sales is their their starter. He play he did play last year, so they do have some experience right there. And I just think they're they're facing a Hawaii team that might be arguably the worst team in the Mountain West. Um, I think even even if Vanderbilt only wins three games this year, there should be a, a game that you should be able to handle these guys by double digits. So I'm going to take Vanderbilt minus six and a half. Yeah, you'll be hearing about that game a little bit later for me as well. Um, spoiler <laughs> alert. Uh, all right, so I went back and forth on two for these. I wanted to have some action in the Illinois-Wyoming game. Mm-hmm. I eventually settled on on a bread and butter for us, Big Ten Unders. I'm taking the under 44 in Illinois, Wyoming. Mm. I I was between that and Illinois minus 10. This is my rationale. Wyoming loses its quarterback, its top running back mm-hmm. transferred to ASU, its top receiver transferred to Texas. The offense is effectively starting from scratch. Illinois had a pretty good defense last year that returned some 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 key pieces. Illinois they play a kind of a slow smash mouth like I don't think they're going to be really trying to score a ton of points. They have Tommy DeVito, a quarterback. I have no idea. The reason why I, I didn't go Illinois minus 10 is I have no idea what you're going to get from Tommy DeVito in, in, in this game. If he's the starter too, that's still, right. Right. Still and, and, yeah. Like Brett, Brett Bielema. Yeah, you're right. He has not officially named a starter yet. I think most expect it to be yeah. DeVito, but it could be Art uh, Stokowski as well. Um, so I feel comfortable that this will be kind of a low-scoring Illinois defense. I don't think he'll give up a lot of points, like a you know twenty-four ten, you know twenty-seven to seven kind of a game. Um, I didn't. I initially bet Illinois minus ten, but I immediately cashed it out and, and to the under <laughs> instead because I just don't. I might end up selling on Illinois minus ten, but I just I just do not feel good. My first college bet of the year betting Illinois and Tommy DeVito or whoever it is. If it, if it makes you a little bit more comfortable, FanDuel does have it. at. I got it at nine and a half. Okay. Spread. So it honestly would make me more comfortable. So but, we'll uh, see. I don't hate that play, especially um, I know Illinois, they did hire, they did hire a new offensive coordinator, Barry Looney. They are expected to run a little bit more of an up-tempo. I know watching um, just some like big 10 previews on big 10 network this past week. Um, you know, Chase Brown, their their running back, had said that it was very a very similar offense to what they ran under Lovey Smith. His offensive coordinator um, actually uh, was uh, was Rod Smith. He was Rich Rod's offensive coordinator for a while. So they are trying to play a little bit more up tempo. But I agree with you in the fact that you know it's a whole new offensive system. It's probably going to take them a little bit to click. Um, so it wouldn't shock me if this is a game that they win like twenty four to seven. Or something like that. Just kind of yeah. a low score week zero. You're just kind of happy to get out there. Because remember, they play a conference game next week. Illinois does in week one against Indiana, and it's a short week. They play on Friday. Exactly. So they might not be trying to to show anything or anything like that. Their defense can win them the game by a couple scores. I think they're just going to live with that. So I, I think that's a I think that's a safe play. All right, let's go with your uh, your upset of the week. My upset of the week, uh, so this was a relatively easy one just with the number of games that are going on. And I think we're going to be in agreement with this one because I know you've been kind of teasing this one, uh, I think, since like February when, <laughs> 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 when we realized this was the first game. 
Um, so I'm going with Northwestern plus 12 and a half. I'm actually a little annoyed. Um, this line actually was up, I believe, to 13 and a half at one point um, and did go down. Um, but uh, I just think, look, I, Nebraska should win this game. But I think just first first game of the year, Nebraska could just be complete a, do a complete clunker and still win this game. Just from what they did last year in Week Zero, I'm not trusting Nebraska to cover anything yet until I see it. Um, and I think Northwestern, I think that defense is going to be improved from a year ago just because it really couldn't have gotten any worse. And I think this is going to be they're going to try to play time of possession. They're going to keep this game close. And I just think Nebraska with a new offensive coordinator, new quarterback, they're still going to be working out some kinks um, over what's working and what's not. I think Northwestern will be able to, to take advantage of that. So I'm going to take Northwestern – plus 12 and a half. Uh, so I'm taking Northwestern as well. I got it plus 13 on DraftKings. So I have, I'm listen, I'm in agreement with you. I have no faith in Nebraska. I have no faith in Scott Frost. The minute I heard that Nebraska players were throwing up in practice, I was like, yep, we're, uh, we, we, we feel pretty good about this. Now, do I like the fact that we have no idea who's going to play quarterback for Northwestern? Absolutely not. Do I like the idea? Do I do I like the fact that Nebraska beat them fifty six to seven last year? Absolutely not. Um, but this is it's a principle for me. We we bet against Nebraska on week zero. Yeah, it's a principle play, and the game is in Dublin. Like who knows? <laughs> just, weird stuff's gonna happen. There's just too many weird circumstances for for a team to cover in this scenario. So in agreement with you on that one. Um, let me see. Do we still have our lock? Yeah, so your uh, your your lock of the week. So I am doing a Big Ten under, but I'm staying in the Nebraska Northwestern game. I'm taking the under fifty and a half, just for the reasons um, I mentioned. Because I think Nebraska might struggle a little bit on offense, just with some of the new pieces. I don't even know if Northwestern can freaking score, so I don't trust them to spot like twenty points. Um. So I'm going to take the under just because I don't know if I fully trust really any of these offenses quite yet. And like you mentioned, week zero in Dublin, the travel, that might play a factor. Who knows what the playing surface is like over there as well, um, if they're used to it. So, yeah, I'm going to take the under 50 and a half Nebraska Northwestern as my lock. I like that. I looked at that one. I don't feel great about my lock. I am going to pick one that you picked as well. I'm taking Vanderbilt minus six and a half against Hawaii. Mm. Um, a lot of the reasons you said, um, I actually didn't even realize that Hawaii played in a 9,000 seat stadium. And, and uh, I, I just think I'm decently high on Vanderbilt. Uh, the fact that I got it within a touchdown, I just think Vanderbilt should beat Hawaii by more than a touchdown. Yeah. I, 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 I just think it's a 10 or 13 point win. So I'm going to take Vanderbilt minus six and a half at Hawaii. Um, so just to recap, uh, my pick of the week under 44 in Illinois, Wyoming upset Northwestern plus 13 against Nebraska. My lock of the week, Vanderbilt minus six and a half at Hawaii. Lucas's pick Vanderbilt minus six and a half Northwestern plus 12 and a half. This is upset and his lock under 50 and a half in Northwestern. Nebraska. Man, I am happy to have football back. I'm happy <laughs> to have football back. We'll have a full slate in uh, next week. A really, really good slate of games next week. We'll, we'll recap some Week Zero games as well in our pod next week. It's going to be exciting, man. I know you're going to Wisconsin for, what, nine days? Nine or ten days? Nine or ten days. So I actually have a wedding on Saturday. So I might be able to catch some of the Northwestern Nebraska game, maybe some of the later games, but Probably won't be a ton of football watching. I'll probably end up having to watch highlights on Sunday on my phone. But um, but no, I'm excited. I'm going to be up there for the Wisconsin game, their home opener um, on the third. So nice. um, no, really, really looking forward to it. Um, do want to mention to everybody too that is also listening to this podcast. You can actually follow us for college football updates on our new Twitter account. We Twitter official um, that is at. Uh, running, uh, running for, I think running for roses. Uh, we couldn't get <laughs> running for the roses. That was freaking, it was too long. So at running <laughs> for roses, um, and you can also follow us as well, um, to get full updates. I'm at 
Lucas underscore roadie 58. And Ryan, do you want to tell him where to find at you? Ryan, at Ryan Baffo, baby. Let's do it. I cannot wait. Mm-hmm. Cannot wait. We'll be tweeting a lot of updates, some funny stuff from the Twitter account, our picks as well. Um, I'll probably have a few more bets this weekend as well. Um, got the fresh money in there, right? Ready to lose it, baby. I'm excited. Let's do it. Uh, Lucas, any final thoughts here before we sign off? Yeah. Um, uh, I'm just like you mentioned, just kind of ready to lose money again. Um, no, just really, really excited. It was, uh, I was so excited to finally give picks again for games. Um, beyond imagine giving my lock and my upsets. Um, but no, the juices are finally flowing. I can't wait um, to record next week where we'll actually have game results and maybe some interesting storylines potentially take place. I cannot wait to open the pod by saying that Nebraska left Scott Frost in Ireland and fired him on the tarmac. <laughs> I just can't wait. Can't wait for it. Hopefully Florida State loses on like another Hail Mary or something. Like, I mean, I just want – I'm ready for some crazy like a four-overtime – Vanderbilt Hawaii game where somehow Vanderbilt wins by eight. I don't know. I'm just, I mean, I, I just can't wait, man. It's going to be exciting. Uh, all right. That's it for tonight. Uh, we'll be back next week with the week zero recap, a week one preview for Lucas Rohde. I'm Ryan Baffle Lucas. Have a good night. Stay frosty.